This is the Brother Marcos headquarters in Sao Paulo, Brazil, calling Christians anywhere in the world. Please respond. This is the Brother Marcos headquarters in Sao Paulo, Brazil, calling Christians anywhere in the world. Please respond. Hello folks, welcome, welcome to one more edition. This is the Brother Marcos Radio Show. I'm your host, Marcos, speaking to you from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yes, my friends, to the whole, whole world, people in Europe, people in the United Kingdom, lots of people there, people in New Zealand, people... In Mexico, people also in the United States, of course, three quarters of our listeners are from the good old U.S. of A. Oh, yes. God bless America. You're going through hard times, I know. But remember, if you really believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you at the cross, you are under the wings of God Almighty. Yes, the creator of the world. Do not forget that for a minute. Okay, my friends, we are back with one one more show. And we are going through the eight rules for growing in godliness. Oh, yes. Uh, you, you want to grow in godliness, don't you? And I'm sure you are because that's your objective in this life. That's the, I mean, there's no other way. Okay, there's no other way you, you are destined to grow in godliness. That's why God chose you since the beginning of the creation of the world. Okay, to grow in godliness, to be sanctified. And we are following here a series from uh, this Tim Shali or Chalice guy. This Canadian pastor, he is using the text from an old, old pastor named Thomas Watson from Great Britain. And uh, we, we have discussed last week the means of grace, especially prayer, uh, Bible reading and fellowship. And uh, we have discussed the ways that Satan is attacking the, the, the three means of grace, uh, especially trying to make them harder, more complicated than they are. So you would think that whatever you're doing is, is wrong. Whatever you're doing is not good enough for God. Okay, just that, that's what he does. Satan is the accuser. That's what he does all the time, okay? He wants you to feel bad about yourself because he looks at you and I'm sure that he can see the light of the Holy Spirit within you. And, and he says, you know, darn. Or maybe he says, damn, really, because, you know, he's the devil and he's them. So probably he says, damn. There's nothing I can do about this guy's salvation, okay? So I'll try to make his life as miserable and unproductive as possible, okay? So I'll make him feel bad about himself. I'll tell him that everything he does is wrong, that there's a lot of other people, especially in church business, that they're much better than he is, that they're doing the right things. Um, okay, you, you, you're not listening to God. You're praying, but you're not listening back. Oh my, that your praying must must suck actually, because you pray you don't, you do not listen to anything in return. Okay, even even kids in schools. I just read about it an article. They are teaching kids. Okay, in that. In schools and even missions, like like this quote unquote ministry, Awana. Awana. What I mean, what does it mean? Awana. A W A N A. It's a very famous ministry for kids. You know, you can buy, buy, spend lots, lots of money in books and DVDs for your kids. Okay, because if if you if you 
don't read your Bible if you're a parent. But you don't read your Bible, you don't know your theology, maybe you can use some books. Okay? And then you spend lots of money with those people in Awana, and now they're teaching kids to meditate, contemplative prayer, so they can listen back to God. You know? Because, you know, it's like the prayer of the child, which is probably the, the holiest thing that the human being can produce, okay? If you take all the human beings in the planet, all their religious activities and rituals and everything, the prayer of a child, my friends, is probably number one in holiness, okay? Because they are innocent. And their faith is pure. But that's not enough. No, Awana wants to teach our kids to listen to God. So they have to stay quiet like G Richard Foster and the Buddhist monk monks they, they teach. So they can hear from God. You know, just like an occultist. And they do. I was reading this this week... <laughs> There's, a, there's this blogger from an economist and, and very interesting articles about economy and about, you know, just a bunch of issues. And, uh, and I found out the guy was a druid. Druid, my friends. So it's amazing that a person can be so intelligent, so smart on one side and... In the other side, completely lost. Because spiritual things, they are understood spiritually. Okay? And this guy was a, was a druid. And, uh, and he was saying, you know, I have my ideas when I am meditating. So I meditate and then I had three phrases that came to my mind. Okay? And he listens to these phrases and they stay with him for weeks until he writes an article or something, you know. And they're always, I mean, they're always something that is humanistic, that it's against God, that is not, you know, it's not good. And But they're teaching in this ministry, they're teaching kids to do that. So we were talking about the simplicity of the gospel. You know, how you should appropriate the means of grace, prayer, simple prayer, conversation. Just talk to God the whole day. When you're driving, when you wake up, if you have a quiet time, good for you. Okay, but if you don't, pray all the time when you're showering. Read the Bible whenever you can. You don't need a, a devotional. Just let the Holy Spirit guide you. There's so many tools now online. You can have, you know, you can research subjects. You can, you know, it's limitless. You can do whatever you want now with the Bible. And that's it. And the fellowship, my friends, fellowship, try to know people. Try to support them because it's all about loving your neighbor like yourself. That's the second biggest command, most important command. Love God with all your heart. But then love your neighbor. Neighbor, That's fellowship. Okay? And not participation in activities. That's not fellowship. That's, that's like being a colleague colleague is different from a friend okay anyway now we are going to talk about rule number two and this is so important it's guard yourself against worldliness oh yes my friends let's guard ourselves against worldliness we we have heard a lot of people talking about you are in the world but you're not of the world, okay? And, and let's just stop a little and analyze before, before we read some of the 
from the article. The original text in the Bible, John chapter 17, verse 14. Let's see what Jesus Christ says here. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. See here, my friends, Jesus was about to be crucified. So this is basically a big prayer, a very important prayer. Okay, because it's all about the Christian life and the relationship of the disciples and basically believers like us with him and God, God the Father. Okay, and Jesus says, first thing, I have given them your word. So you see here the importance of Scripture. You know, it's not like we say, well, my, my, my son, oh, he's going out. So I have given him money and the car keys and a cell phone so he can call me if he's in trouble. Okay, so you have all, all things figured out and he's prepared. Okay. That's what we do here, okay, in our daily lives. But Jesus says, I have given them your word, the Bible. Okay, that's the first point. That's very important, okay? Um, and the world doesn't like it because they're not of the world. They're citizens from a different place, from this different country, okay? They're not making Sodom great again because they're not from Sodom. Okay, And then he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Think about it, my friends. This verse destroys all that idea that people sh should be monks. Okay, And I'll tell you, you can be a monk in your head. You don't have to go to the desert, inside, live inside a cave or inside a monastery and I'll tell you there's a lot of uh, there's a big temptation to do that who would, wouldn't love to do that to be all protected I understand why people go and start you know pursuing this life this monastic life they want to be monks because they're all protected have you ever seen how, how Catholic monks they live? They, have, they, they wake up at the same hour every day. They have this routine. They have the prayer time. They have the meals. Then they work and they read. It's all, it's all control. It's great because they're protected. Nothing new happens. It's excellent. Part of us who wants to sell ourselves for security, you know, this part of us... It loves this kind of life. Okay? Because you don't have to deal with, with problems and, and tribulations that, you know, a person that is in the world must deal every day. It's something new all the time. But I tell you, that's exactly how God wants you to live. Because if you don't know what's, what you're going to face today, and you know there, there's going to be trouble... You need to live in submission to God. You need to trust Him. You need to trust Him. Otherwise, how are you going to leave your house? I'll tell you, I live here, my friends, in a place where they stop traffic in the avenue here and they rob everybody. They do that every week. So what should I do? Stay home so my kids won't go to school. I will not work. I will not go to the market and buy food. Or should I go out and trust God? So you see, my friends, what does the Bible say? I, I don't remember exactly the verse, but it's something about the coward says, I'm not going outside my house because there's a lion outside. And I'll tell you, God doesn't like it. Because it's a cowardly thing to do. And that's what monks do. But not only monks. People who are in the church business. Oh, yes. 
I'll put my kid in the Christian school. I will homeschool my kids. I'll tell you, my friends, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong about homeschooling your kid or protecting your kid. As long as at the same time you prepare them to be in the world sooner or later, okay? Because we have to protect our kids, okay? Okay, I mean, it's only a difference in timing, okay? But you have to be careful, careful not to think that you're going to protect them forever, that they're going to become monks. Because you go there and, you know, you listen to Focus on the Family. If you go there and you read the things that Focus on the Family publishes, they will tell you, they will tell you that you can really live in a bubble, in an ivory tower. And that, that's the solution, okay? And so what happens is that you're not preparing your kids, yourself, your family to be warriors in the world, okay? You're preparing them to be afraid and staying at home, afraid of the lion in the streets. And I'll tell you, they're total, total failure. Folks on the family, James Dobson, failures, They were not able to change society as they say they would. They ask a lot of money. They're super millionaires. Okay? And they are teaching you to be a coward. Yes, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah, I know. But that's what they're doing. That's, they never did anything good to my family except to make me feel guilty. Yes, do not let them. Okay? But see here, Jesus says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Who's the evil one? It's Satan. So you see here, we have this portrait, we have this picture that is forming. Okay? We're not of this world. We're citizens from another place. But we are sent into the world, world with the Bible. And the evil one doesn't like it. He's going to attack us. You see? <clears throat> That's the lion outside. But it's a defeated lion. And Jesus asks the Father to protect us from the evil one. Because he knows... That the solution is not to stay at home, but to count on God's protection against Satan. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. See here the identification that we have with Jesus. Okay, we are in the same team. Sanctify then in the truth. Your word is truth. This is so important, my friends. What is truth? God's word is truth. That's the tool. That's the weapon we have. And we are sanctified through the word. You see, if we follow the Bible, if we follow God's commands, if we try to understand about the character of God and what He wants for our lives, we are sanctified. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. For what? To spread the truth. Of course, the truth is salvation, is Jesus' sacrifice at the cross. You know, it's all those things, but most Of all is truth. And for this, their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So you see, my friends, it's, it's the truth of the Bible. So basically what Jesus is saying here, you have to go out and you have to bring truth to other people. 
Satan will hate you. Satan will attack you. But you have God on your side. The solution is not to protect yourself in a monastic life. As many people say you should do. Many people. I was reading in the same uh, King Chalice website here. A person was asking. I, I f See here. The person's feeling guilty. Okay. A good Christian. For starters. If you are concerned about the status. The status quo. The state of your Christian life. You must be a good Christian, okay? Because bad Christians, they just don't care. And he was reading, this guy was reading a book called The Insanity of God. And he was so guilty, feeling guilty because he was not doing more for God. You see how, how it is? How Satan works? You know, it, 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 he, he uses those people in the church business in order to make you feel guilty. You know, because it, it, it's it's their career, it's their work, it's their business to be in ministry, okay? But they want to make you feel that you are nothing. That you are worth nothing. Because you're not doing exactly the same things they're doing. And when you stop and you see what they're doing, it's not much, but they'll tell you that it's exceptional. I'll tell you, most of the times, especially today, of course, not all the missionaries and everything, but they have a, a life that is much better than the average in society. I mean, they fly all around the world. All their bills are paid. They have uh, schools for their children. Okay. And, and Ting Chalice says here, over the past five or ten years, we have seen an interesting back and forth between people advocating the goodness of the radical and people endorsing the goodness of the ordinary. Some leaders are calling for, for Christians to put aside the American dream and instead live lives of extraordinary fervor, generous giving, and missionary zeal. I mean, that, that, that's a purpose-driven life. That's living for church business. Meanwhile, other leaders are assuring people that, that we can live lives that are pleasing to God, even the most mundane circumstances. But that's what Jesus says. You can, you can choose. You can choose to be a slave of rich pastors and their, their machines, their organizations that work like steamrollers, just crushing everybody or you can decide to follow Jesus and and he says something interesting here that we should have an, a balance okay that if you are too radical you can foster discontentment in people oh yes who are already living God honoring but ordinary lives I'll tell you 99% of people Perhaps unfairly convicting then that suburban 9 to 5 life cannot be good enough for God. Do you really think that those people are not doing enough? Jesus himself said that Satan would attack those people. He asked God the Father to protect people from the evil one. Because I'll tell you, you don't have to do anything. You just show up anywhere and God will hate you. I'm sorry, Satan will hate you. It can also foster the worst righteousness of people who are convinced that God will be pleased with them to only the extent that they do grander and harder things. Yes. And then he says, and I agree, of course, ordinary can foster complacency or the notion that God doesn't much much care what we do, what we give, or how we live. Of course, there is danger on both sides. But I'll tell you, <laughs> if you go to any church, 
they will not say that you can live your ordinary life and be a good Christian. They will never say that. That's a problem with the article here, because he's a pastor, of course. So They will always say, they will try to make you feel guilty, because you're living in the world. Okay? So I don't agree with him here. Because it's not like a balanced position. It's not like they're preaching both things. No, they're only preaching one thing. You have to give up everything and give yourself totally to church business. That's the only way for you to live. And my friends, I'll tell you, this is such a danger. Because it's an incentive to pride. Pride, pride, pride. Okay, because you say, you tell yourself, okay, I'm not in the world. I'm special. I don't live like other people. I do my things here for God. I mean, this is organization. I'm here doing this work here. And then prayer is not enough. Because, you know, I, I think I can do better. I can have God talking to me, so I'll try this contemplative prayer, I'll do inner healing, I'll do visualization, you know, all kinds of things that, you know, after all, you know, just the simple gospel. No, it's not enough. And then it's so easy that you become the Pharisee, like in Luke 18. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even... As the tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give the tithes of all that I possess. I do the purpose life thing. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see here that Jesus didn't say, no, the tax collector fixed his ways. He changed his life and started to go to the temple and apply it to the Pharisee school. Started to study the Torah to become a Pharisee. He started to tithe. He started a ministry to the Pharisees. No, he didn't say that. He said he went down to his house, justified it already. Because it's a problem of the heart. It's a problem of the attitude. And this guy, I'll tell you, tax collector, he's in the world. Dealing with people who probably hate him every day. While the other was probably, you know, going to the Pharisee school... Studying the Torah, the Talmud, the oral tradition, because at that time they already had the Babylonian oral tradition of witchcraft. You know, just getting his meals inside the temple, probably never lacking anything. So I want you, my friends, the objective here is not to bash people who live in this, this way, okay? Protected way. But to prevent you from being feeling guilty for nothing. Okay? Because if you live in the world but you're not of the world, it's because your heart is not in the world. Because the way you think is different. Okay? There's a lot of other passages here so you can understand what I say here 
John 15, if you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. So never let anyone say, oh, you're not living the purpose-driven life. You're not in, in the ministry trip to Africa this year because you love this world. The world hates you. The world hates me. I'll tell you one story that happened here with my family last week. We have a a very good friend, nice person, uh, the, the, this lady. She's into marketing, the director of this large company, but a very, very nice person. I mean, she's not Christian, but it's just as fine a, a, as she can be. And we were talking about her daughter. You, you see how it is? I've never heard about this thing. There's a thing called CISV. It's the Children International Summer Village. Now they're called CISV.org. Okay? It's a program that was created in the United States in the 50s. It's all over the world. And they pick up children from like eight years old up. And they send to camps to these interchange programs and things like that. You know, you go to other countries, you stay in the family with a family and things like that so you can experience things. And they're all about diversity, human rights. And in the same month, my friends, I, I had never heard about it. And uh, two friends of mine, they told me about this thing. One of them, his daughter went to the countryside here in Sao Paulo and uh, in a place where they would camp inside a public school. So the idea is that you bring rich kids to spend the night and do activities with poor kids in a poor neighborhood. Okay? So first of all, I just thought to myself, that really sounds Marxist. But, you know, let's see. But in the next week, this friend of ours told my wife that she was sending her daughter to Egypt through the same organization, this CISV thing. Can you imagine you sending, I think she's 13, a 13-year-old 13 to spend a month in Egypt in a family that you do not know? And several kids, the only mentor there is this 24 or 22-year-old guy. So you're sending your girl, she's 13, to spend a month in Egypt, the Muslim country where they kill and rape Western women. With a guy that is 22 as a mentor. I mean, she's an intelligent person. So you see, this is blindness. It's a spiritual blindness. Okay? It's not that she's not intelligent. She's very intelligent. But isn't it that amazing that I had never heard about this? And suddenly, two different places, people start just talking about this like it's a great thing. I, th I think that Satan wants, wanted me to send my kids to this kind of thing, okay? But thanks to God, we have the sermon. And then I start to research a little about this. You know what they do? They shut the, the mouth of children for a whole day with, with tape... You know, silver tape, things like that. So they can feel how bad it is to live in a third world country where, where you don't have freedom of expression. Or where you're not accepted because of diversity. 
Maybe you're gay or a transgender. My friends, I'll tell you, never let your children unattended, not even in Christian camps. You in America, I understand that you love summer camps. And in the past, maybe that was a good thing because, you know, most people were Christian. There was a, this environment that was safe and healthy. But today, I would never even let my friends go to the Boy Scouts. Come on, ju just listen to a, you know, Freedom Friday hour here in the Kapal Radio Network. Horrible stories. But you see how God works? How He picks your attention to some things? Okay? I don't know yet how I'm going to talk to these people. But I'll probably will. In a way that it does not sound like I'm insulting them. And I'm praying already. I'm praying for this girl. I'm praying that she doesn't go to Egypt. If you want to join me, please pray for her. Okay, for both girls. You see? What Jesus said, I'm sending you, sending you to the world with the Bible, with the truth. Because we are the ones who can see these things. Because they can. And that's our responsibility. To warn people about it. And not stay hidden in an ivory tower. Like those missionaries and, and church people do. Here many missionaries in, in, from the US. They come here and they live inside this Christian school. It's a Christian school they founded here in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. It's super expensive. Only rich people go there. But they live inside the place. They, they work in the place. They live in that place. They have apartments there. They never leave that place. They never make friends with anybody else. Sometimes they go to the bakery. So they have something to write in, on Facebook. You know, oh, I just saw a guy drinking liquor in a bakery. Can you believe that? This Brazil here is horrible. So they live there, hidden in an ivory tower. You know, just like the aristocrats in the Decameron. You know, that's an old book. <laughs> it's a nasty book. The aristocrats, there was a plague, the Black Plague in the country. And they just got together with lots of food. And they spend their days just, you know, flirting with each other, telling stories, telling nasty stories. Yes, the Boccaccio is the, Boccaccio, the author. It's a classic. And they thought that they would be there in the, their ivory towers and nothing would happen with them. But eventually, you know, the Black Plague caught up with them. Because that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Because unfortunately, some of those kids from those missionaries, they went to the United States after they spent their whole teenage years in that protected environment. And the first thing they did was to find a boyfriend and get pregnant. True story. True story. Because God is interested in the heart. It's not the conditions of life. It's not, not where you live. You know? It's what Christian life is all about. John 17. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them again. Because they're not of the world. First John 2. Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So here's the challenge. 
You have to live in the world. You have to make a living. You have to deal with people who are full of demons. Sometimes people who hate your guts. But you cannot love those things. And it's very hard today. Because you open Facebook and everybody's enjoying the good life. Or at least they want you to believe that they are. They pretend to have this perfect life, okay? So you open Facebook and, well, this guy, well, he's in France drinking coffee in Paris. The other one is in the Caribbean at the beach. Well, this other guy here is flying, you know, to Tokyo. Look, it's, it's great. Yes, my friends, the temptations, they are, they are very strong now. Much stronger than before, because before television, before magazines, and much more like, much more now because of Facebook and the internet. You lived your life, maybe in the country, in your, in your farm, you didn't even talk to people. Or, or maybe you live in this small town doing your business. You didn't even know those things exist, but now we know. Well, especially in the United States, there's a lot of uh, reality shows. Well, the, the, the modern housewives of Beverly Hills or something like that. They are designed to make you feel bad with what you have. Because godly living with contentment is a great blessing. Satan doesn't like that. Satan doesn't want you to be satisfied with what you have. He wants you to crave for more and more. Until the point that you say, God, why don't you give me more? I don't love you anymore. I don't like you. You make me suffer. Oh. Another danger here, 1 Corinthians 5. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not, all, I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. <laughs> you, see, you see here, it's impossible for you to go out of the world. But you have to keep yourself pure. And you know, the first thing is the other verse. You cannot love those things. If you make an idol of those things, it's just a matter of time until you're thinking about how you're going to get them. How you're going to have money. You know, and then you really start to feel this desire and this desire will grow in your heart until you do something bad or wrong in order to get that thing. Okay. How do you protect him yourself? Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. You renew your mind. You remember that Jesus was talking about giving people the word, the scriptures. That's the key. That's the key. And, and I'll tell you. I think being aware of what's happening in the world is one of the ways that that that. We renew our minds, which is the contrary of the monastic life. Because the monastic life simply denies the world. I don't want to see anything. I refuse to see. I refuse to understand and watch. But you know what we try to do here in this show, the Kapow Radio show, the Freedom Fried show, is to show you the evil that is out there. Because it's one way to learn, the most important, I would agree, is to first know the truth, okay? And then you can compare 
the lies with the truth. But you also need to understand how the lies work because the Bible says we are not unaware of the schemes of the devil. Paul said that. He also said, the Bible also, also says that we should be innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. So I do not agree that, you know, you only have to know the truth. You don't have to care about the lies. No. First of all, knowledge doesn't take space, okay? Your brain is big enough for both things, okay? So you have to have truth. And you have to understand the schemes of the devil too. Because otherwise, you're going to fall for them. Because you have, you know, you have to live in this world. You have to make decisions all the times. And sometimes, you know, they're quick. You have to decide here and there what I'm going to do. And if you're not prepared, my friends, you're going to fall for the tricks. Okay? Yes, my friends, we cannot separate ourselves to totally from the world that's not what God is asking us to do Paul was right when he said that we would have to leave the world altogether if we wanted to truly separate ourselves from immoral worldly people I'm not even talking about helping other people here because how are you going to help people if you're not in touch with them As we have discussed in the show many times, most churches, they don't give a damn about you if you're not participating in their, participating in their activities. For them, you're just a tool, a help, and not someone that they want to have as friends. Okay? Yes, my friends, you have to change the way you think. You have to change the way you think. Okay, we're going to stop for a minute and we will be back. In a recent double-blind study from the Institute of Prophetic Studies in Southern California... Researchers concluded that humans who listen to the Freedom Friday Hour with radio hosts Paul and Linda Villanueva on the Kapow Radio Show Network were 111% more intelligent than their reptilian counterparts who did not listen to Freedom Friday, but instead were busy destroying mankind. Researchers also concluded that Freedom Friday listeners were better looking than their four-eyed, two-legged, freestanding Gila monster, turtle-faced reptilian counterparts. So, share your good looks and smarts with others by telling them to join you here on the fabulous Freedom Friday Hour. Your human friends will thank you. The Kapow Radio Show Network produces high-quality podcasts that you definitely want to hear. So stick around and get prepared to stimulate your spirit. All right, my friends, we are back from the commercial break. And we are talking about the rules for growing godliness. We are now talking about rule number two. Guard yourself against worldliness. Oh, yes. Worldliness. Yes, my friends. It's a big problem. Where's the balance? We're trying here to find the balance. We, we know that there's a lot of horrible things out there. But the solution is not to isolate ourselves in an ivory tower. Okay? And we are reading from an article from Tim Chalice or Tim Chali. The world is not a place but a system. You have to understand that. And sometimes it's funny. Because people, especially Christians in America... 
they have this routine of going to church, they, they read the Bible and every, everything, but they follow the system, especially the political system. You know, if a guy is a Republican, and if James Dobson says that he's a good person, I mean, they follow the system completely. They never stop to think. The, all the politics, all the things that we see here, the the economy, it's all tainted. It's all tainted with evil. Okay? And they, what they're doing, they value what unbelievers value. To foster ungodly desires and attitudes, to indulge in what is delightful to those who refuse to delight in God. They want to make Sodom great again. And they are manipulated. Okay? Those who love the world naturally succumb to worldliness. Worldliness is a failure to renew our minds by the word of God so we can live in a manner pleasing to God. It's the failure to think and live in distinctly godly ways. It's the failure to become who God has called us to be. And you see, my friends, that happens when you stop making an effort. It's all the time. You have to check what you're doing and what you're thinking against the Bible every day. Why am I doing this? I'm feeling this anger. I'm feeling this disappointment. But why? It's a kind of self-analysis. It's not psych psychotherapy or anything like that. It's just plain self-analysis. Just watching yourself. Okay? Wordliness is first a matter of the heart's desires, then the mind's meditations, then the hand's actions. We all enter this world as lovers of the world who are in desperate need of salvation. It's only God's work of saving grace that allows us to see our captivity. Only the light of the gospel that frees us from our former blindness. You see, it's natural for us to want the things of the world. La vida loca, success, money. To be important. To be well regarded by others. To be famous. You know, to have uh, fun. Girls just want to have fun. Yes. And then you have to work. That, that, that's, that's why the Bible says, work your salvation. It's already there. But you have to work it to make it perfect. To develop yourself, to sanctify yourself. You have to renew your mind. Renew your mind. Why I am thinking this way? God, help me to have a different perspective. What's the perspective you want me to have about politics, economy, my work, my friends, my activities? To be vigilant. Okay? Very interesting article here. Yes, more, more here. More commonly, though, Christians become worldly by neglect. We fail to be watchful, to maintain an offensive posture against the world's attraction and intrusion. You know, get tired. I don't want to talk about it. You know, I'm just tired. <laughs> I have too much in my basket here. You no, know, too many problems. Too many problems. You know, sometimes we just ally ourselves with people who have no affection for God. That's a big problem, especially for young people. For young people, you start to go out with people who do not think like you, who have no regard for God at all. And group thinking is another problem, especially for young people, but also for older people too. 
That's what you have if you're in a big organization. You don't want to be different. And you see, I was just talking with my wife today about this movement of young people. They're all living together now. It's like a big uh, family, but with different people. You know, all those people, the millennials, 25, 30-year-olds, they get together, they live in the same apartment. Like their their students, okay? And they, they work in the same place. In those buildings, they have a place with several computers. So it's like they don't have autonomy anymore. They're not free agents. They're not independent. They're not full-grown, mature adults. And that's, my friends, what the New World Order is all about. It's just a bunch of slaves living in a slave house all together, thinking the same way. Because Marxists, they have known for a long time that the best way to control someone is through group thinking. Okay? If you dissent, if you have a different opinion, you're ostracized by the other people. And because you live in such a community, you're not anymore the king of your castle. You know, you have your house. You know the old American way? You had this little ranch or even a house and you used to be the king of your castle? There was a respect for the independency of the citizen. But not anymore. Now you have to live with eight other people in the same apartment, sharing the same workplace. If you say something that they don't like, you know, something like, I, I think that transgender is a aberration, is an abomination. Man, you can, you can lose your life. You can lose your work. You can, you can lose the place where you live. You don't have a place to, to sleep. Okay? So group thinking is the one of the worst dangers we face. And we're going to face that more and more because of political correctness, because of cultural Marxism. They expect everybody to think the same way. And they're going to censor you. They're going to censor you. So, my friends, the conclusion is that trust God. Trust God because he has given you all the means, all the tools for your sanctification. Put on the whole armor of God. But most of all, use the word. Jesus said, I have given them the word and I have sent them into the world. Protect them from Satan. Claim this promise from Jesus. See, God, I claim the protection that Jesus asked for me against the evil one. I claim that. Don't you think that Jesus' words have power and authority? God the Father, you can be very sure about this. He listens. <laughs> he listens to Jesus. And Jesus is our advocate. Not the saints, not Mary, but Jesus Christ. And you can be sure that he takes God, uh, Jesus' words very, very seriously. So if you ask God, God, I claim, I claim Jesus' prayer for me. That you protect me from the evil one. He will listen. Cover me and all my family with the blood of the Savior, the blood of the Lamb that was shed for my sins. That was the protection. And that's the protection you have against the evil one who's outside. So you don't have to be afraid. Do not be afraid to leave your place. You don't need to live in a protected ivory tower. Reading James Dobson's books. 
No, you're free to go outside to minister to people. Minister to people. Be, be a friend to the ones in need. Okay? Do not lose your confidence in the means God has provided for our sanctification. We are sanctified in the battle. Okay? And be awake. Do not slumber. Do not fail to maintain a close watch against the enemy. Know the enemy's scheme. Schemes. Because there are many. That's what I... That's my advice to you. Do not fall for the easy solution of hiding yourself in a Christian, quote-unquote, ivory tower. Be bold. Trust God. Okay? Thank you very much for your attention. I hope you have learned something today. And I pray that we will meet again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>